Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Working Therapist Podcast. I'm Hayden Bolick. Joining me today is Kirsty Miles, Vice President at PDT, and our guest is Lyle Helke, who is a Senior Inside Sales Associate with Everlast Climbing. So we at PDT love our adaptive climbing walls that we have from Everlast Climbing. We think they're a great product. We have them in our clinics, and so we wanted to talk more about this product, these adaptive climbing walls. So we wanted to go straight to the source. Welcome, Lyle. Thank you so much. Great to be with you today. So can you tell everybody a little bit about your role at Everlast Climbing? I gave your title, but your role. And then how did you get to the adaptive climbing walls business? How did you get there? Wonderful. Yeah, my background is basically I was in public education for 34 years and within that environment really learned the value of climbing. And I think the words relevant and reflective really, really speak to climbing. Really an activity that's relevant to the needs of our kids, but also reflective of the world they live in. Our kids are used to screen time and the reality is to keep moving is really important. We really believe that climbing is an activity that is good for all kids. And it's good for all kids no matter what strength, gender, ability, it's good for all kids. And that really is what kind of drove me in the world of education. We looked and tried to put together programs, especially summer programs, that met the needs of kids, kept them active at the same time, provided them an opportunity to get immersed in the schools, particularly the schools they were transitioning to because we had transition programs, and really got my feet wet in the business of experiential education, adventure-based education, but really climbing. And from that, we built a wall at our school, and we accessed some information and support from Everlast Climbing a small company at the time. This was 1998. And we sourced some handholds. We built our first wall ourselves. And we found out what magic it really brought to the world of kids. And from that, I continued to work in a consultative role because the relationship with Everlast Climbing was very special. There was some really neat back and forth in terms of give and take. And I was invited to be a part of some of the product development curriculum development, and eventually got involved in sales. I think what really is kind of a driver here is the core belief that I described, that climbing is good for all. Um, We're passionate about bringing climbing to all youth of all abilities. And that is where when we started to market walls into the school setting, we found out that the adaptive physical education world was really on our doorsteps saying, what can we do to make this wall more inviting for all kids? And so from that, we developed the adaptive climbing wall. One thing about climbing that we should all understand is that it's really unparalleled in terms of the opportunity to improve strength, muscle endurance, balance, flexibility, and cardio all in one, and for all kids. And that's why it's, as we come back to that core belief, it's good for all, we want to find ways to make sure that we adapt it so that all kids can enjoy it no matter what ability. So it's a level playing field where kids of all abilities can find a measure of success and it's relevant to their needs and reflective of the world they live in. Just a little note on reflective of the world they live in. We think about Ninja Warrior and what that activity has brought across the United States and and, and worldwide 
in terms of, you know, the fun, the adventure, the excitement, the challenge, all of that. And as we look at that world, you see you know, participants of all abilities getting involved. And, you know, that speaks to our children. They want something like that in their classrooms, in their physical education world. And so we were really, really challenged to create something that would invite and be inclusive of all kids. And that's how the adaptive wall actually came about. I love the term adventure-based education because to me, it's not static. It's not sitting still at a desk all day long, same in, same out. You know, I love the whole adventure-based education is this broad, nice term where it means like, okay, let's adapt situations so that all kids can be successful. I just love that term, adventure-based education. It's the first time I've heard that before. I love it. It also invites reflective learning also. So after the adventure, you can sit down, you can process, and you can talk through. And that's really exciting. Yeah, and you're right. It does involve all kids at different levels, which is one of the reasons why we like this wall, because just when you see it, if you go to the website, if you're listening to the podcast, pause, go to the website right now at everlastclimbing.com and look at the, they've got great pictures in there. It's it's an awesome website to be able to see the different types of walls. And we're going to get into that here in a second. As soon as you see it, you know that like a wide variety of children and ages can really be successful with this product. And it really, they can. That's what we found so far. And climbing is good for all. Those are the two takeaways. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, pause, adventure-based education, write that down, and climbing is good for all. I love that. I wrote them both down. Just to tag off of what Lyle has been telling us about the adventure and the climbing, and it's good for all, I think the reason that we were drawn to it from a PT, OT, and speech standpoint is exactly that. I think from an educational standpoint and your background, Lyle, you know, being in the education system, and, and we work with children coming from the school system coming into therapy Mm -hmm. after school and you know they've been told to sit all day and they've told to be still and they've recess has slowly been being pulled away and we're like no kids have to move they have to move to learn about their environment they have to move to speak and tell you what they want so it just fits what we do so so what makes this adaptive climbing Mm -hmm. wall different than than a regular climbing wall Okay, I think the biggest difference is that the adaptive wall has some additional style handholds and footholds that are specialized for the users. So we have grab bar handholds. So they're more easily addressed and easy, more easy to hang on to and give more support, as do the ledges that allow the climber to move across more easily, have a more stable feeling underneath them versus the more traditional handholds that you'll see on our more organic uh, climbing walls. As the climber gains comfort, there are traditional handholds, however, they can also use. And I think that's really important. This adaptive wall doesn't call out that the user is different. It's inclusive of all. And because it has traditional as well as adaptive handholds, as the users become more comfortable, they can use those traditional handholds and feel like they're like everyone else who's on that wall. And I think, you know, that's one of the major, major differences in terms of as you look at it. You know, we've created a platform that invites learning and the cross-curricular applications there, as you know, the wall has a very smooth whiteboard surface that's magnetized. It's actually metallic and it accepts magnets. And so you can do some activities that would involve learning using the magnetic numbers and letters that come with it. And so there's that 
component there of crossover. So in addition to physical, we also invite some cognitive learning and you know, give all kinds of opportunities there for problem solving, learning to concentrate, learning to follow directions and rules and as well as academic skills also. And I think that's where a lot of times people think, oh, climbing walls is definitely a physical therapist thing or a PE thing or that. But as just as a speech therapist, that's my background as a speech therapist, what you just said about problem solving and following directions, there's so many different types of holds, the wall you can write on it or the magnet surface too. You can definitely set up a situation where the child has to problem solve, follow a set of directions, do a sequence. Great for all those quote-unquote, speech therapy types of activities, and they're moving their body. Mm -hmm. And then to build out from there, in terms of other kinds of the gains, as we talk about, sensory processing, you know, the whole area of uh, learning and developing visual motor and visual perception skills, kids with gravitational insecurity that don't want to go very high, don't have to go high to be a part of the climbing experience. The whole area of proprioceptive input, learning to, with that pressure that you feel when you climb, both in the feet and the hands, it really contributes to that. And the, all sensory systems are involved, whether it's the visual, the hearing, listening to input to learn to be successful on the wall, all of that, it, it really falls within we also, bilateral coordination is really wonderful as a part of climbing. Climbing requires you to use both sides of the body together. So your alternating pattern like right hand, right foot, moving up and over, followed by left hand, left foot, you know, and learning to differentiate between the movements on either side of the body or crossing the midline, all of those in terms of the brain piece. It really, you know, come to play as a result of climbing. It's interesting to see one of the emerging areas in, in terms of rehabilitation is actually there's some studies being done on climbing with stroke rehabilitation. And again, there's been some marked success there because, again, the engagement of the brain and that bilateral uh, coordination is a part of it. Well, and you say that we we do work with children with different types of cerebral palsy, one of which being mm -hmm. hemiplegia, which is, you know, similar to what you would see in an adult post-stroke also. But we have children of all types on the wall, and it's great for that because you have to use both hands. So for a child that it is prone to neglect one side of their body, it really forces them into a use pattern. Right, right. Yep. Whole area of motor planning, you know, that area of ability to conceive and plan and carry out a skilled non-habitual motor act. So, you know, that whole correct sequence starting at the beginning of a panel and at the end of a panel, or maybe it's the whole wall, but learning to, you know, conceive and plan and carry out. And because those handholds are different shapes and sizes and colors, they offer a visual aid also. And, you know, it, it, it's really, I think, that kind of a platform where it invites and really serves the needs of many different children with special needs. And then the fact that you've got different, the various types, which I'd like to get into as well, but with 
for example, just with us in our clinic, we have the dry erase squares that are part of our climbing wall. You know, we the whole back is not the climbing wall, but we have the squares that are underneath some of our holds. So a child can, you know, if they're working on handwriting, for example, they can climb up and then they can hold with their left hand if they're right-handed and write a letter or something like that with the right hand or vice versa. So I love the fact with this product, you can just start to incorporate so many different types of skills, just what you're you know talking about, but other skills that are sort of outside the box that you might not think about the climbing wall. And going back to what we were saying before, a lot of our older patients are coming in after school. They've already sat at the desk all day and worked on handwriting. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. last thing they want to do is more of that. Right. So we want to get them <laughs> up and moving and, and doing something fun where they don't see it as work. And some of our, just while we were talking about the, the sensory processing, some of our children who are the under responders, some of the who are just harder to get, you know, engaged maybe in activity, especially like at the end of the day when they're tired after school and stuff, and maybe the, just the under responders having to climb and use their body and hold on just keeps that, you know, that it just alerts that central nervous system so that it causes them to have to, you know, respond and their body moves. So it's very hard to get into routine and rote, which is what we work so hard with as under responders to always mix things up to keep keep them in a, you know, in an alert state. And so climbing, I think, is great for the under responders, over responders too, but under responders. So to help them, you know, get up and they can write and climb and they have to move their body to do it and everything shifts and it's great. Can you describe some of the, we've talked about the different types of holds, but can you sort of talk a little bit about, you know, we have several different types on our climbing walls at at PDT, but can you talk a little bit about the different types? Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, the handholds are in three major colors on our eight-foot-high walls, red, yellow, and green. Green are the larger of the handholds. They're the more easy to address. And handholds are very organic in shape. They're, you know, circular. Some of them have flat edges. Some of them have rounded edges. And so there's a stimuli there in terms of just feeling a different shape. But also the colors are associated with the level of difficulty. And so a green handhold being larger is the easier to address. And so on the climbing wall, you can set routes that actually are just one color. And so as we encourage participation, in the very beginning, we start with rainbow climbs where all three colors are used, the uh, green, yellow, and red. But as they become more adept at climbing to keep it fresh and new, we can have them just use one color. And green would be the easier of the routes. Yellow is the intermediate. Uh, kind of in between sizes and difficulty. Red is the most challenging. And again, as the users progress, they will learn to use different. And again, for all kids, we find that any color as they're going across in the very beginning is really, really good. The adapted holes, as we had described before, have easier grip and also better more stable foot environments. And so the grab bars literally have a dowel in between, strung in between to support edges. And so they can, it's almost a grip type, vertical grip, where you can situate the hold, literally, you can place it on the wall in any upward, down, or sideways position. But again, it's designed for easier grabbing. And then the footholds obviously are ledges that the feet can land on and stand on and, you know, provide that stability as they 
plan for their next move on the wall. And so that's really the difference, the colors, the shapes, and as well as the adapted holes to provide additional support for all learners. For the ones that are the letter or the alphabet handholds, are those considered advanced, easy? What are those considered? Okay, so you brought up a couple of points there. We do have specially designed handholds. So for if we were looking at a, a very young user, we have some critter handholds that resemble some fun animals. We also have alpha holes, as you said, alphabet holes, which are letters that for letter recognition and cognition. And then what we have, in you described, we have a route setting handhold. Basically, it's a huge differentiator in our product line. The route setting handhold has a directional sign as well as a number or a letter. And so when setting routes, if assistance is needed and guidance is, is needed in terms of how to set up a wall, if you're doing a self-install, you can go to our route setting guides and learn how to set routes based on some schematics and routes that were developed that are easily replicated on the wall. And I want to point out that you can change the holds out. So and is that something y'all expect with your walls, that people will change the holds out? I mean, it's pretty easy to change them. Yes. But, or is that something, is that something you ex- sort of expect? Is that how it's, why it's set up with the different levels? It is indeed a very dynamic platform. So as we look at a climbing wall, basically, if you look at a typical panel, in addition to the handholds that we just described, yellow, green, and red, we also have a variety of what are called T-nuts. T-nuts are the threaded sockets that the bolts screw into that hold your handholds on. On an average panel of four foot wide by eight foot high, you have 66 T-nuts, you have 20 handholds. And so you can therefore configure and reconfigure those 20 handholds 66 different ways. Thus, it's very dynamic. Thus, you can keep it very fresh by changing the placement of the holes. And again, you can also do that in age-appropriate ways. So you have a developmentally appropriate setting for the users, but also in terms of challenge. As users of the wall become more adept, you can change the challenge also. And they're very easy. Y'all was trained when we had it installed. And we'll talk about installation in just a second. But when the person came to install the wall, they were showing me how it's very easy to take them off and move them around. He did it while I was standing right there. I said, "What? I think this might be better up there and around. He just whipped them off and on in no time. So it was really easy. The ball holder, it's not called that, is it? The ball hold, that's what it's called. I love that. It's so unique. It just holds the tennis ball so you can talk about what it does. I love that one. Right. So the ball holder was developed to help kids get more comfortable with three points of contact on the wall. It's very usual in the very beginning with climbing that, you know, the climbers are close up to the wall. They're holding on to those handholds. We want them to learn to relax a little bit, shift their weight back, but also learn to have three versus four points of contact so they can more easily move their hand to the next handhold. And therefore, we put this ball holder together so that they can actually, it's a little shelf that a tennis ball is hosted on, and the climbers can reach, grab for the tennis ball, and for example, ask them to turn away from the wall with the the tennis ball in their hand and maybe throw it into a five-gallon plastic bucket. What have we learned there? We've learned to be comfortable with being away from the wall a little bit, with a little bit of balance and, and weight transfer there, they learn that by 
stepping away from, you know, they're not going to fall off. It also adds a little more challenge, a little more physical strength, muscle endurance kind of opportunity to be developed there also. We can also use those for shuttle climbs. You could put a tennis ball on, you know, each of five ball holders, have them go to the first, grab the tennis ball, climb back to the beginning of the wall, drop it down, go to the next, et cetera. So there's more of a shuttle climb. So, and by the way, our Walls do come with activities and suggested activities in terms of how to use the wall. And a great example of that is one we just talked about using the ball holders. And you know what? Little boys love to throw balls and it's just fun. So it's also kind of like, you know, you climb the ball to ring a bell or whatever. You climb the wall in different places to get the ball, throw it in a bucket. I mean, what's not fun about that? That's just fun. So Lyle, I should have probably asked this earlier. Are you a climber? Do you climb? Oh, I am. I probably should say I I'm a retired climber. Both of my, we spent a lot of our growing up years with the kids. I have two sons, both of who continue to climb. One is 39, the youngest is 35. One has taken his world of climbing into his own business. He has a business out in Pennsylvania. So, yes, as a family, we climbed as a coach. I coached girls cross country and track. For 34 years, we used climbing as a metaphor, and I would really, at some point in time, want to bring that term in here because climbing is the ultimate metaphor about life. We can learn a lot about life on the wall, whether it's about learning to communicate, learning to take positive risks, and which in our world today, where there is a lot of negative risk-taking, learning to take positive risks is really good. You know, as we said, learning to problem solve. And so we believe strongly in that. I took that to our kids. Our kids grew up, our youngest started climbing at five years old, the other at nine. And a lot of our family vacations revolved around climbing adventures. And the best part of that was the road trip. The best part of that was being in a van together, talking, being at the crags, climbing, afterwards talking about, you know, what happened at and that particular day, learning to trust. And we think about that huge part of core of adventure-based learning, where by taking incremental risks over time in positive ways, we learn to trust each other. We learn to communicate. And, you know, ultimately in our family, a lot of our life was looking up, seeing our kids climbing up and gradually giving them more and more responsibility to create their own. And eventually they planned the trips we went on. And so we spent a lot of time, yes, in climbing as a family. And I certainly was a climber and spent a lot of time in the world of coaching around climbing. We did uh, a lot of our leadership development training was, was around adventure-based learning and getting team captains to work together also just working with a team and doing something other than running with a team. It was pretty exciting. That is exciting. So for the cross country, when you were coaching that, how did you use the metaphor of climbing? But did you have your teams go and climb or use it as a metaphor? A, a metaphor, basically. And so as we, when you think about in the middle of <laughs> yeah. a run, in the middle of a race, there's a point at which it's kind of like the crux of a climb. A crux of a climb is where you meet the challenge and you're really stuck and you need some input. And maybe it's asking for help and learning to ask for help, which is a huge, important lesson in life. And so in the middle of a race, when you're starting to really feel like you went out too fast and you're starting to fail, reaching out and asking your teammates if you can run with them and, and staying together. So we would use the off-the-wall activity. We'd have them go out and climb, and then we would say it's kind of the what, now what, so what. So what did we do today? What did we learn about climbing? But also, what did we learn about life? And what did we learn about how can we apply this? So what is, you know, so what can we do with this and apply it to the world of running? 
you know, and then you get into the business of learning to trust each other, learning to communicate, uh, learning to resolve problems together. I mean, that all fits really nicely in a metaphorical way, uh, climbing and and running. Well, and I think if you're listening and you're a therapist, I think that now what, so what, then what, that was, those are the right what's, right, Lyle? Now what, then what, so what? Yep, the what, so what, and now what? So what, now what? You can use all of that in therapy as well, because that's kind of the crux of therapy. Now what, and so what? You know, <laughs> you know, this is what we have, and so now what are we going to do with it, and how are we going to get to the next stage and all of that stuff? You can use the same metaphor. I, I, that's great. I wrote that down, too. Lots of good write-downs here, Lyle. Just one little pin on that one is challenge by choice, and so it's really important. There's a very fine line between threat and challenge, between challenge and threat. And our job, whether we're as physical therapists or teachers or coaches, is to encourage growth and encourage our young people to challenge themselves, but we never take them over that line of challenge into the world of threat. And that's the world of adventure-based education, challenge by choice. So, you know, challenge the participant to try something new, to challenge themselves, but never pushing them to the point where we move them to the world of threat. So Lyle and Kirsty, this conversation is great about these climbing walls. So let's pause our conversation right here and we'll pick it up next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 